0: next chapter podcasts. Repent, sinners, judgment is at hand, for the end is nigh.
1: Just kidding, we don't judge here. This is Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where we peel back the wallpaper of Polite Society and where NSFW meets LMAO. I'm your host, Kiki Anderson, and, well, this is episode four. The fun is only just getting started, because today, we're going to save your immortal soul. Thank you very much. That's right. So far in our exploration of all things Untoward, we've talked a lot about the people and the forces that decide who and what is taboo, especially when it comes to sex. In our last episode, comedian and activist Caitlin Bailey told us all about the laws revolving around sex work. And honestly, it should freak everyone out whether or not you're a sex worker. In order to work for a
2: legal brothel in Nevada, you have to register with the sheriff's department as a legally licensed prostitute. It's subpoenaable about you for the rest of your life. It comes up in child custody cases. People have lost out on you know future jobs or other opportunities having done this work perfectly legally. You have to engage in mandatory STI tests. You have to work twelve or twenty four hour shifts at the brothel.
1: And throughout human history, there has been one big, divinely inspired judgment factory at the heart of most of it, if not all of it: religion. And I'm not talking love thy neighbor religion, I'm talking that Ron DeSantis, Jesus loves everyone except queers, trans, people of color, women, and Jews type beef. These people have made hating on these marginalized groups a bigger pastime than the NFL or punching drywall. For all the right-wing outrage about drag story hour corrupting our youth, there never seems to be an ounce of acknowledgement of the actual physical harm organized religion has caused. I mean, I'm talking the Inquisition, the Crusades, the Salem witch trials, Boko Haram, the Canadian Indian residential school system. Hell, I'll even throw in the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige, the wife of the head of Scientology. I can go on. And that doesn't even scratch the surface of how wild the actual content of the holy scriptures are. I mean, back in June, a school district actually banned the Bible in elementary and middle school libraries. And this was in Utah, of all places. Some anonymous genius used a state law censoring quote unquote pornographic material to report the book for containing incest, masturbation, bestiality, genital mutilation, oral sex, dildos, rape, and even baby murder. All the hits! Holy moly! It's all about control, baby, always has been. Control of thought, movement, self-expression, and maybe the biggest one of all, control of pleasure. The so-called earthly delights. Mm, 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 mm. So I know back in episode one, I promised you that we here at Indecent are not trying to fix anything, but what if we could build a fence around Mike Pence? What if we could take the libel out of the Bible? Would it even be possible to build a sex-positive, inclusive, all-around horny religion? What would that sound like? My producers and I aren't exactly biblical scholars, but we are God's perfect idiots. So we gave it a shot.
3: And now a reading from the book of Genesis. Tempted by the serpent, Eve partook of the apple, which is pretty reasonable for the first person ever, especially since God didn't mention evil even existing at this point. Eve shared the apple with Adam. And their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And the Lord saw them partaking of the apple while nude, and said, Hey, I'm not here to yuck your yum.
1: Now remember, children, when Jesus met a prostitute, he said, Sex work is real work. And he definitely didn't make her wash his feet without pay, because that would be exploitation, and also just pretty weird. Not that being into feet is weird. As Jesus said when he met the foot freak, Me too, brother. Me too. <laughs>
0: And God said unto Noah, Build an ark that will hold your family and two of every animal for forty days and forty nights. And Noah said unto the Lord, but why only two of each animal? And God was like, uh-huh. And Noah did explain ethical non-monogamy to the Lord, who wasn't necessarily into it himself, but recognizes that it's a valid relationship structure. And Noah did build a way bigger ark with plenty of room for animals to have orgiastic, bestial sexual.
1: You know what? This isn't really what I was picturing. I think we need to call in an expert. Someone with actual religious knowledge. Someone who could answer questions like, How sexy does the Old Testament really get? Who benefits from religion's ability to suck the fun out of life? And how can we have faith when religious leaders so often go astray?
4: It's all over, people! We don't have a prayer!
1: Thank the Lord that our guest today is Levon Briggs, better known as Pastor Bay. She's an Emmy Award-winning body and sex-positive woman spiritualist, preacher, and writer. She's also the host of the Central Faith Podcast, which is also the title of her new book. LaVon has been featured in Essence, Cosmopolitan, and The Washington Post. And Sojourner's Magazine named her one of its 11 women shaping the church in 2019. She joins us today to lay out how religion got so judgy, and why we need to bring it all back to the positive, freaky stuff that was originally intended. Alright, Miss Levon Briggs, who are you? Preacher Bay, what does that mean?
2: Hey, I'm screaming. In a former life, I went as Pastor Bay. It was... An ode to the fact that I am Black, and I am woman, and I am spiritual, and I'm a baddie, and all that can be true at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, just disrupting wherever I can run my mouth, child. (laughs) (laughs) I like when you call me child. It makes me feel young. (laughs) Did you work in the church, and now you're working outside of the church, or...? Where does your background come from? That's a great question. So I'm a cradle Christian. I'm the daughter of Caribbean immigrants. And so I was raised in the Episcopal Church, which is very sit stand Neil, kind of like the Catholic Church, but our priests can get married. And right around the time I was in my late teens is when I started having the questions. You know, you go to school and you get all this education your parents tell you to get, and it makes you think and deconstruct, and then you want to know, What's up? So um, over time, I bopped around to different denominations and ultimately my what the fuck is going on uh, and landed me at Yale Divinity School. And that was when I really started to interrogate and reconstruct a theology and theology is just a fancy word for God talk um, that really suited me. So after that, I ended up working on another advanced degree, decided doctoral work was not for me. And that's when I ended up as the youth and young adult pastor at a church in the Bay Area. I was basically second in command. So I referred myself as an assistant pastor because I was like number two. But uh, over time, I learned that the church uh, wasn't really going to hold all of me.
1: So you're growing up as a woman of faith and then you decide that you're going to go all in. You're going to study all the books. You're going to do all the things. And what is your religion telling you? Like, Because as somebody that's not religious, why does this puritanical version of the Bible not want Mm. me to be horny?
2: (laughs) Well, here's the thing, beloved. I would argue that the Bible does okay your horniness, but historically it's been... White, straight men who have controlled religious narratives and they want to control you. So if I can control your religion, I can control your ethic, your morals, your spirituality, and your faith. And as women who are living in and destroying a patriarchal system, right? Uh, in the words of my friend Dan West, who's a queer theologian, who does it serve for you to believe it this way? Who does it serve for you to believe that the Bible wants you in conflict with your horniness? When there's a whole entire book called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, which is like 90s R&B, okay? They talking about bosoms heaving and come touch my breasts my breasts are mounds, right? This is not a book about Jesus and the church. This is a book about two lovers who are not married partaking in carnal-ass pleasure, And so those kinds of books and stories and scriptures are often left out when we have white, straight men, pastors, and preachers. That's why it's so important for us to be ordaining women, particularly Black women, women of color, queer women, femmes, non-gender conforming people, because the, the text will be liberated when the people who are preaching about the text are liberated. So you're saying the Song of Solomon,
1: this is the OnlyFans premium subscription version of the Bible.
2: Absolutely. And if you are willing to sign up for $9.99 a month, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) All you have to do is read the first chapter and you will see beautiful descriptive language about a healthy, consensual, um, beautiful, pleasurable sexual encounter that, quiet as is kept, a lot of that book is written from a woman's perspective. So even though it was attributed to a male writer because he was such a dynamic writer in his day, the fact of the matter is there are words written by an African woman in the Bible that talk about pleasure. Praise the Lord. That's mind blowing (laughs) Wow, yeah, definitely praise the Lord. Hallelujah, like break out the choir, okay?
1: (laughs) Wow, I love that. So what I'm getting from you is God gave us a clitoris because he wants us to use it.
2: Listen, as women, we are the only creatures in all of creation. Kiki, there are a lot of fucking species of animals in the world. And we are the only ones that bear an organ that has one soul, delicious function. Mm, 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 amen, hallelujah. So, yes, God ordained pleasure because God gave us clits, period. (laughs) There we go. <laughs> I love how I used the whole long
1: word because I was too embarrassed to say clit. To you, I was like, I don't know. She's she's past her. Like I can't say a clit.
2: Sure. <laughs> Look, that here's the thing. I was just, um, so I co-host Sanctified Podcast, uh, which is available exclusively on Jamel Hill's Unbothered Network on Spotify. And we just released an episode about purity culture and Boaz and all that, right? Now, if you are a church girl, particularly a Black church girl, you know the Boaz conversation. In the Bible, there's this old-ass man who was really wealthy, and this woman goes to his room, right? This is in the Book of Ruth. Uh at the nudging of her mother-in-law, who they're mourning like the death of the husbands, which are the mother-in-law's sons, like it's a whole thing. It's hella, it's all my children, girl. It is days of our lives in Israel. <laughs> so um the mother-in-law tells the daughter-in-law, go to him and bow down at his feet. That's what we've been told. We gotta go serve, we gotta go be in the field and That Hebrew word in the original term, in the original context, is a euphemism for penis. What? The ancient (laughs) mother-in-law told her daughter-in-law to go give that man a head so that they could (laughs) secure the bag. That's why. <laughs> that's why. I went, mm, wow, wow! wow! I didn't. They got fucking blowjobs in the Bible. I know. I know. I know. This is blasphemy. They were in the comments talking about this is blasphemy, and I was like, it's not. This and is- that's her mom telling her to do it. She's like, listen, you're
1: not going to be the head of anything if you don't start getting. <laughs> okay, we got to get to the head of the class, honey. Let's get to it. Do you think that women had power and then it went away and now it's coming back? Like, how do you think that? Has played out over time.
2: I don't think we ever lost our power. I think we're awakening to our power. One of my favorite books, that's actually a Bible for me, is "Women Who Run with the Wolves" uh, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, PhD. And in it, she uses songs and poems and I think what she would refer to as folklore um, in order to teach us lessons about the divine feminine. I believe divine feminine energy has always been there. It's just now we're in this collective conscious awakening that feels really cosmic and and like a zenith moment. Um, And I'll close this part by saying that as a black woman, I am a card carrying member of the African diaspora (laughs) and my maternal lineage came through Sierra Leone. And when I study the ancient traditional religious practices and spiritual practices of my people, uh, it was intergenerational. It was communal. Living in the West, it's a colonized a hyper-individualized system where it's me, myself, and I, and not us. And that's why we've been living in a fucking global health crisis going on three years now, (laughs) because we can't get beyond the I as a society. And that's what's happening. As we awaken to our power as women, we're starting to recognize the power of us as opposed to me. These are the stories that they don't want to preach from the pulpit because men know that if they preach women's empowerment, they're going to have to be held accountable for how are you using the church funds? Why have you been teaching us all this patriarchal, misogynistic bullshit from your pulpit? They will lose their power. It's about power, Kiki. It always has been. Yeah. And I think
1: it turns people off from all the positive things that religion has to offer. And it goes ignored because
2: like for somebody like me that wasn't raised that way, it's like, well, hold on a second. Why are you trying to control mm-hmm. me? And the reason why I brought up the Song of Solomon text because we hear or we read <laughs> a woman talking about sensual pleasure is because outside of that, we really don't have many other first-person narratives of women or children in the canonized Bible. And the canon is basically the 66 books that we have traditionally accepted as the Bible, right? Um, So when we look at that, we can't say, well, the stories of women don't matter. The stories of children don't matter. That's not true. Remember, the, the Bible was inspired by the divine, but it was written by men for men. At a particular time with a particular agenda, child, ain't no way blonde hair and blue eyes gonna make it in the North African sun. Okay, so <laughs> they didn't have bronzer right. back then. You're right, <laughs> quote unquote. As we know it, there are no white people in the Bible. So that's first, right? And then over time, it went so far, and this might be getting a little too deep for our audience, but to as there were councils, meaning there were meetings there were gatherings in the old boys club to figure out which of these books we're going to say are part of the Bible and which of the books we're going to say are not a part of the Bible. So there's so much more (laughs) to this story than just what we've been presented traditionally. I'm like, if we could just stop talking about who's screwing who, we would be able to put our energy into shit that really fucking matters.
1: (laughs) Really, that's the thing is like, I always feel like it's always... The creepiest, worst people that are obsessed with sex, like the people that they're trying to monitor everybody and
2: what they're doing. It's like, well, what are you doing? Why are you obsessed with my pussy? (laughs) Here's the thing we live in a hyper sexualized, but still a hyper repressed society. So that means everywhere you turn TV, commercials, billboards, media, movies there's always the sexualization, the over-sexualization of women, of fucking children. It's disgusting. At the same time, they're saying, oh, nope, nope, nope. You got to keep that under wraps. You got to, which is why we're side-eyeing the Catholic church. People have sexual urges. We have to be honest about that. And then when we give people an ethical framework, if they step outside of that framework, we can be like, hey, now you done fucked up. Don't, don't do that. But if we're not having the conversation, it just leads to silence and abuse and stigma. And that is definitely harmful.
1: From ancient Rome to the righteous gemstones, there has been no shortage of powerful men and some women, but mostly men, willing to use religion as a thin veil for all the freaky little skeletons in their closets. In fact, there are so many scandals that there's absolutely no way we could fit them all into a single episode, probably like not even a single season. In fact, we could even probably do a whole other show about the number of times that the Catholic Church has relocated a priest to a new parish the moment that rumors of kitty diddling started to surface. So you've probably guessed by now. The indecent team started thinking, how can we make this fucked up thing fun? So how about we play a game of pervert jeopardy?
4: Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here.
1: Instead of guessing answers to questions about potent potables, my producers, Pete, Max, and I sat down to figure out which is the grossest of God's chosen messengers.
3: Well, well, well. Call me Dennis Hopper in speed, because I'm about to give you guys a pop quiz, hotshots. Max, Kiki, are you ready for the religious perverts quiz?
2: Yeah. On this episode
4: of
3: Indecent.
2: Yay!
0: <laughs> Absolutely, as ready as I am to die and go to hell.
3: Well, you're you're a regular pervert. You're you're more of an irreligious pervert, right? I'm a I, I'm here representing secular perversion. Okay, yes, <laughs> good. So I used this book that I read a long time ago called God's Lunatics by Michael Largo. That was a really great resource because it has like tons of obscure cults and like uh, other religious tomfoolery going on in it. But there's a couple in here that I had to scrape from Wikipedia as well. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to give you a few details about each of these people and then I'm going to have you try and guess what their sin was and then I'll, we'll explain it more how it played out. Sound good? Ooh, okay, yes. Yeah. Okay, so the first person on our list here today is Sister Amy Elizabeth Kennedy. Ooh, a woman perv. Yes, I figure we, you know, it's 2023, it's time to, you <laughs> know, get a lady in there.
1: We love our presentation.
3: <laughs> so Sister Amy is considered the godmother of televangelism. She was a fundamentalist Pentecostal preacher from Canada who rose to popularity in the 20s and 30s with these like incredible radio broadcasts and live shows. She eventually founded one of the first megachurches ever in California. Uh, One of her biggest claims to fame was being anti-evolution in the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial. So if you guys had to guess what her dirty deed was, what do you think it would be?
1: Did she fuck the monkeys?
3: I was gonna say that,
1: Ah,
4: damn it.
0: The religious hypocrisy thing, right? So it's like if there's a politician who's really anti-gay people, they probably are secretly gay. So that was, yeah, I was going to say sex with monkeys, but...
1: Yeah, and it doesn't really count as like uh, like premarital intercourse <laughs> or any of that if it's not with another human, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we love I, a loophole. That's
0: an official indecent loophole. Feel free to cite <laughs> that in any arguments or legal cases.
1: <laughs> Don't forget to like, share, rate, and review. <laughs>
3: So the truth is her dirty deed was adultery. With a monkey? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she was cheating with the monkey. This story is bizarre, and I love it because of all like the twists and turns. So at the height of her fame, she straight up disappeared for several weeks. She was like at the most popular popular she could have been, and then she went missing. And her family even got some ransom notes but eventually gave up hope of finding her and then just declared her dead. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that was probably a much lower bar for that back in the day. You know, somebody's like gone for three days and they're like, you're dead now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's no find my friends. (laughs) There's no find my friends up. Thing was, she was not actually dead.
3: She randomly showed up in a Mexican border town a few weeks later claiming to have escaped kidnappers, but inconsistencies in her story led to an investigation and charges that she lied about what happened and instead that she'd run off to have an affair with a married radio engineer that she employed.
1: Usually when celebrity women disappear for a few weeks to Mexico, it's because they're getting like a BBL. Yeah,
3: (laughs) she just comes back with a fucking huge dump truck of an ass. (laughs) I mean, That's like the next, that's the next megachurch
0: thing. Joel Osteen is going to have just a big, a big
3: peach. (laughs) That's what I want to see. That's the kind of faith healing I want to see. Like my ass is too flat. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: like uh, that major, the major laser video. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Also, I like, I like that this is such an old timey story that she did something fucked up and then her life was ruined forever. Because now she would just like do something really hypocritical and be like, Joe Biden faked it. And then like be back on the, the Christian conservative circuit or whatever.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: she the, the rebound would have been much swifter, which is actually like kind of funny considering some of the next couple of people I'm about to bring up. Moving to slightly more recent history, does the name Jimmy Swagger ring a bell?
1: No, but he sounds dope.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like it's like an old timey famous person or something, but it does sound like yeah, like a
3: rapper's like secondary nickname, <laughs> Jimmy Sassy, to, A.K.A. Jimmy Swagger. <laughs> Um, he was one of the most popular televangelists in America at one point. He was a gospel musician who reached as two, as many as two million homes a week in the 1980s with his show that focused on moral purity, and he even won a Grammy. So what do you think his undoing was?
0: Okay, well, I'm going to choose one of my two thoughts. I have a, I have a backup that I can claim was a good idea. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, like, prostitution. Like some sort of like he like paid money for sex and because it was still like that was still enough to be like, oh, that's but you're an upstanding man. Yeah. okay fair. What's your backup? Um, My backup is uh, just like
3: gay stuff. Gay stuff. That's probably a pretty good one. A pretty safe bet. But um, this was adultery again, but with a fun twist. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how he described it? (laughs) <laughs> you know, honestly, I think most people describe, you know, adultery, fun twist.
1: <laughs>
3: so you see, Jimmy was big on other people's sinful behavior so much so that he actually accused a lot of other popular televangelists of having affairs. He targeted Jim Baker and uh, Marvin Gorman. In the end, this guy, he accused Marvin Gorman. Marvin pays his son and son-in-law to spy on Jimmy. And they catch him and a prostitute coming out of a greasy motel room. So yeah, Max, you were right. It was prostitution. Jimmy does this big display of repentance on TV though, where he's like ugly man crying on national TV. (laughs) He like gets past that, right? People are ready to forgive him. And then a few years later, he gets caught with another sex worker and then he manages another comeback. And um, yeah, so it kind of like goes to show, first of all, The closer we get to the present, the easier it is to get away with this stuff. (laughs) And then also, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a man, nobody gives a fuck what you do. (laughs) Um, Well, the next one that I have, you probably heard of this guy, I imagine, uh, because we're all children of the early 2000s. Ted Haggard? Anyone?
1: I don't know, but these pervert names are killing it.
3: Yeah, Ted (laughs) Haggard really like sells it, right? (laughs) Haggard and Swaggard. (laughs) You guys don't remember this guy? He was a big deal back in like early 2000s. So he was yeah. the founder of the New Life Church in Colorado. Oh. Yeah, he was a big proponent of banning same-sex marriage in, in Colorado in the early 2000s. And if that's not enough, some people credit him with securing George W. Bush's re-election by uniting evangelical voters. Until. Whoa. What do you guys think it was? Seems pretty. gay. I was hoping you guys were going to say gay stuff in unison, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> So, yes, correct gay stuff with a fun <laughs> twist. <laughs> he got caught buying crystal meth from a gay male prostitute. Right, right. Nice. Yeah, right. Now, final one. I wanted to end on a fun one called The the Devils of Ludon. The Devils of Ludon. Probably never okay. heard of this, I'm, I'm guessing. Sounds French. Exactly. <laughs>
1: like a French punk band.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're opening for Kings of Leon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in 17th century France, this priest named Yorban Grandier gets in trouble for writing a book critiquing the vow of celibacy that priests had to take. And he also gets in trouble because he possibly fathered a few illegitimate children. Uh, but, you know, the- this is pamphlet called. Come on.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> come on. Come on. come on,
0: like, yeah, come on.
3: <laughs> He's also like super handsome. And right. He has kind of a reputation of, a, of, you know, 17th century fuck boy. So he starts attracting the attention of the mother superior of a nunnery in the French city of Loudon. And this is where I'm going to leave you. Where do you think it goes from there? I she's trying to make. He
1: her out. May
3: trying to make contact with her. Yeah, he
0: ate her out. <laughs> well, the fact that it's called devils, plural, mm-hmm. I wonder if if they're like if they're like, oh no no, this is the new God. Actually, is for fucking.
3: So we're gonna create a little like fuck fuck unity. What is it? a f- fuck monastery? Yeah, fuck monastery. <laughs> also, Kiki, everybody knows that eating pussy wasn't invented until the 18th century, so. <laughs>
1: is that a
2: fact we're not doing an episode on that
1: one where does the origin yeah. of eating pussy come from <laughs>
3: oh it's Jean-Jean pussy <laughs> named Jean- <laughs> after okay so this is actually interesting um, you know Aldous Huxley author of Brave New World he wrote a whole non-fiction book about this event and he did like a ton of research back in the 50s about it and according to the book the mother superior was trying to smash and Grandier turned her down Whoa. Yeah. So as a way of getting back at him, she gets all the nuns under her command to start writhing and gyrating and acting possessed every night. And then they report him to the authorities and they claim that Grandier summoned a demon to have sex with them all, which ends up with him getting tortured and burned at the stake and dying. Wow. Whoa. So, yeah.
0: Hell yes, we love a petty queen.
1: Wow, a male witch hunt, different.
3: Not so different, not so different. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, gotta love a woman who's like, what do you mean you're not gonna fuck me? I'm gonna have you <laughs> torn apart and burned alive.
1: Yeah, that's the original, like, what, you don't wanna fuck me, what are you, gay? What are you,
3: what, <laughs> 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 uh, Yeah, good. Well, that has been the religious perverts quiz. I'm gonna say uh, Max was the winner of that one, I think, because most of them, you got them like sort of right, but Max was right on the money that it was a prostitute with Jimmy Swagger.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's been Pervert Jeopardy. Next up on Indecent, we'll be playing Let's Make a Deal with War Criminals. Jazz kidding. Let's go back to LaVon Briggs to learn more about the current toxic structures of organized religion. So talk to me a little bit about in this canonized puritanical version of the Bible that Look
2: at you, canonized. Come on, Kiki. Listen, we're here for the vocabulary, okay? This is a lesson. I'm gonna walk out of here so smart. <laughs> People are gonna be like, where did she go? Period. <laughs> the seminary of Levon, Elise Patty Briggs. There we go. I'm <laughs> signing up. So
1: in this version. <laughs> They don't want you to fuck anyone else, but they also don't want you to fuck yourself. They don't want you watching porn. They don't want you touching yourself. They don't want you doing anything that stirs up anything crazy inside of you. So talk to me more about that.
2: Okay. So what (laughs) colonized Christianity has done has collapsed all sexual activity outside of a heterosexual marriage to be evil and demonic, right? So Jumping from masturbation to pornography is huge. And people just try to conflate it and say, all of that is anti-God and it's evil and you go on hell, right? Here's the thing. They're very different subjects and they are approached with a one size fits all ideology that just falls flat. It just doesn't work. First of all, masturbation in the Bible, the scripture that most people go to is in Genesis 38, where this nigga Onan was spilling his seed on the ground, right? Wait, hold on.
1: Can I pause really quick? What do you mean spilling his seed on the ground? He was just just fucking jerking it. And (laughs) that's gross. Like, even I'm grossed out by that.
2: (laughs) Well, here's the thing. The reason why he was spilling his seed on the ground is because he was supposed to be having sex with his dead brother's widow. Oh, okay. In order to keep the lineage going. Like there's a whole context, right? This is what many Christians are missing is context. So the fact that they erase the woman who's there is like you're making this scripture about masturbation when there's a whole other human being present in this story. So the scripture has nothing to do with masturbation everything to do with the fact that this man refused to get his dead brother's widow pregnant to keep the family lineage going. Because the the idea is, well, if I get her pregnant, that's going to be considered my brother's son and that son is going to get all the rights and heirs of inheritance. I don't want to do that shit. So it was a man who was running away from his duty. That's what got the God of the Hebrew Bible upset with him. Now, pornography, I'm not a Greek scholar, so y'all going to have to do your deep dive with the Greeks and the New Testament scholars at a later time. But I do know that porneia means essentially illicit sexual activity. That can be very subjective, but what scholars believe is unethical sexual practices. So we're talking about assault. We're talking about abuse. We're talking about, you know, mistreating those servants who are supposed to be, you know, your enslaved people, but you're harming them. So that was the original context. It had nothing to do with watching people fuck? If you have a kink as long as it's healthy and consensual, that's cool. My problem with porn is that it's patriarchal porn and it's just this man who don't got nobody here ramming his penis in this va- this vagina and this paid actress, right? Even if she enjoys pleasurable sexual encounters, she might not be enjoying that one, but she still has to act like she does. So it just gives like men who use porn as <laughs> their their sex education tool all kinds of terrible frameworks to, well, if I just pound it, bomb, 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 then that's, no, let's go back to the drawing board. Find the beam, find the beam. That's where you need to be. Like up, down, left, right, fast, slow. Like there's so much more to pleasing a woman than just pounding her vulva. <laughs>
1: That's, that's my problem,
2: problem with that's right <laughs> that should be in the bible where is the clay why wasn't that one of the ten commandments thou shalt find the clitoris what about this notion that god is always watching is he watching
1: you when you're jerking mm. off and um why you know i me a little <laughs> privacy in that
2: if that's happening i don't need to go okay. there or well, maybe i do i don't know this is i'm getting flustered this is kinky. And I believe God is kinky. That's something that, you know, many of us not ready for that conversation. But I will say, basically, when we put human attributes onto the divine, the divine is a spirit. Right. Many of us were raised in communities that talked about God as if God has a penis. Oh, the big guy, the man upstairs, he, 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 Um, When in fact, there are both masculine and feminine qualities to the creator. So it's really important that we talk about God as bigger than a man. But again, when you're in a patriarchal society, they're going to create God in their own image because that's how power is maintained. So we're bucking that tradition and it's disrupting the status quo. So even calling God mother God or referring to God as she is countercultural but it's more authentic than only talking about God in he form. That being said, do I believe that the divine is omnipresent everywhere at once? I do. Do I believe that God is a voyeur like watching you up? I, I think God is like, yo, g- get it in. Just, you know, make sure you find her clip, please. <laughs>
1: So, LaVon, tell me, in these godless times we're living in, less people going to churches, less people acknowledging Mm -hmm. the sanctity of marriage that everybody talks about. And I don't mean sanctity in the Mm -hmm. traditional, like, waiting to get married to have sex and that, but, like, valuing other people Mm -hmm. and valuing faith and valuing, you know, all the good parts about the Bible, how do you get people attracted to religion again when all the fun stuff seems to be getting taken out?
2: You know, I don't want people attracted to colonized religion. I don't. I want everyone to be attracted to liberated, um, affirming, loving belief systems, right? Because I think religion is a very loaded word. And in our society, it typically means white American nationalist Christianity. That's usually what we mean. And so there are thousands of religions. There are thousands of deities. It's just that if you're raised in a particular segment of society, then you might be taught to believe this particular way about God. But I believe that God in the words of Lauren Hill, gets out of our boxes right, and is not here for the minimizing. And so I want people to awaken to a few different things. First of all, I want us to awaken to intuition. I want us to trust our bodies and know when something doesn't feel good. There are some of you listening to this episode who growing up, you felt like, hmm, is he sure about that? That don't sound right, right? About something your pastor said or something the guest preacher said. And you knew it didn't resonate. Why I gotta hate gay people? Why, why, what? That is Trust that, right? Uh, colonized religion has taught us to dissociate from our bodies, to not trust our intuition. You have to follow God's word and you have to be legalistic, or you're, right? That's not how God operates. God is a God of consent and free will. And so it's like, hey, here's my hope for you. You either going to do it or you're not, you know? Um, second is that I want people to critique everything because if you are learning religion from people who are patriarchal, sexist, racist, xenophobic, misogynistic, right? Anti-gay, anti body, just anti-people, that framework is going to leak into your psyche. And the reason why we have such a hard time getting all women on board is because internalized oppression is a very real thing, right? There are some uh, gay spiritual leaders who are married to someone of the opposite sex, but because of their upbringing, because of what they were taught to believe, they're living this lie, but they're also living out grotesque self-hate, right? I have to preach against this thing because I am this thing and God, or I was taught God hates this thing. So I got to hate it too. Just living terrible bound lives, right? And then I want folks to go back. So if you are a black person, what did your ancestors believe? If you are a European person, what did your foremothers believe? Because a lot of times what women believed, you know, that's why y'all ended up being called witches and getting burned at the stake, right? (laughs) Because it was just like, you're healing. You're not following our Christian ideals. You have power and you're, you know, you're riling up the other women. You're a threat to the system. You got to go. That's what happened with Jesus. Jesus didn't come to earth to die for your sins. Jesus had to die because he was a threat to the system. He was calling out powers that were, not ruling well, that were stealing money, that were not being kind or not taking care of the children, the widows, right? All of that, that was why Jesus had to go. So when I think about your faith, your faith and your religion are two different things. Religion are these systems that have been in place for centuries, right? But what do you believe? What at your core is your moral compass? How do you show up in the world as a vessel of love and light and truth and liberation? That is spirituality. What are your rituals? You can't have spirituality without ritual. It's fucking in the word. <laughs> is your ritual service? Is your ritual prayer or meditation? Is your ritual dancing, writing, cooking, right? Like what brings more of the sacred and the divine to our culture? That is your spirituality. So that's how I think we get back on track. I feel like our generation
1: does try to find
2: spirituality, but they're
1: a little bit lost. That's why you have all these people that have like crystals and tarot cards and all that. And my sister is one of those people, you know, but she is always interesting because for her tarot cards are less a mystical thing and more a Rorschach card. Mm. You know, it's more self-reflection. This card has this assigned meaning. What does that, what question does that prompt in me to dig deeper? You know, and I think, I love that. That is kind of what the Bible is supposed to be, too. It's let's dig deeper. Let's do some intrinsic work as opposed to being like a set of strict rules. Like, don't do this, you know? Right.
2: And I mean, think about it. Something that was written 2000 years ago is not going to hold the same weight (laughs) as it does in today's culture. So we can't just take the Bible at face value and say, this is it. Who said it? Where did they say it? Why did they say it? What person is it in? Like now we're talking about English and mechanics. I was an English honors major, right? Is that you first person singular or third person plural, that makes a difference. If it's just me, myself, and I, or y'all, right? Um, I also read tarot and pull oracle cards. I believe in those practices because ultimately divination, meaning trying to get a message from the divine realm, comes through various forms. Divination is in the Bible. The motherfucking three wise men, they found Jesus looking at what the North Star, my nigga. Like <laughs> they use the cosmos. The cosmos are, a co- are the cosmos are conversation partners in our spiritual journey. So astrology is not new. Astronomy is not new. This shit is ancient. It's just being rebranded and repackaged <laughs> to us. But go back. That's why I say go back. What were your ancients doing pre colonization? pre-being colonized and pre-colonizing. pre the fuck lemon, pre-this crystal shop on Sunset right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-all <laughs> that. Where they started packaging it and selling it at a full price. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, like, you don't even need all that. It's cute. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you are the fucking crystal. And if you are a shitty person and if your ethics are all fucked up, but she, oh, I got I got crystals. I got my sage. I got my witch. Make sure you get an ethically sour sage, please. Sage <laughs> is being overcropped. Over what? Farmed. Anywho. <laughs> the point is the crystal is not going to save you. Okay. In the Bible, whenever we see that word salvation, it's not that you're being rescued from the destitution of your sin right? Salvation actually means healing. And the thing is when you start to release toxic religious dogma, it forces you to heal. And healing is hard. Healing is scary. Healing is gory. But on the other side of it is so much sexiness and so much beauty and so much freedom. And I believe that's what God wants for us. All right. I'm signing up. I like your church. I'm joining it. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, come on. Sensual Faith Sunday. Every first Sunday on Instagram, child. There you go. You told me I was going to get initiated. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Ah, Well, here's the thing. I like the word um, when when someone doesn't know what I'm talking about. Because let's be real. Ain't too many, you know, 40-year-old Black women haven't been to two seminaries. And that's just not what we do. um, Unless you feel a call, right, to ministry. And if you are a woman and you feel a call to ministry... If you're in a patriarchal church, they're going to tell you, oh, you're not called to ministry. God said you can't beat a head, which is complete and utter bullshit, sis. So go fill out the application for seminary, for ordination, whatever you feeling. you feeling it right, child. Um, but that you don't feel like you're dumb or like... You know, we live in a culture where if you don't have the answer, if you don't speak quickly and eloquently, if you, you know, make a mistake when you're speaking with your words, then, oh, you're stupid or you're dumb. Like, it makes us more easily controlled. That's what colonized religion is all about. It's about, I I got to control you. That's what we're seeing with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I'm I'm losing my shit because patriarchy is crumbling and women are getting wiser and enlightened men are getting hip, we're not gonna be able to hold on to these systems too much longer. So they're lashing out, they're throwing tantrums, <laughs> trying to control us, but we refuse to be controlled. Well, that's
1: been episode four. Pastor Bay gave us great insight into all the ways bastardized religion has been used to suppress our natural urges and desires. But obviously, when we're talking about sex and bodily autonomy, there's a lot more at stake. A little over a year ago, the Supreme Court used its fake wannabe religion to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade, and they put women's health at risk in so many ways. So next time, we're talking with artist and activist Viva Ruiz about how this issue has become so polarizing that even the people who need it the most are willing to fight against it.
2: You know, the people that picket outside the clinics, there's always people that picket outside and are like, you're killing your baby, blah, blah, blah. The same people picketing have come in to get abortions. Like, it is like your mouth drops, your jaw drops. But also, of course, because abortion is necessary. Doesn't matter how you
1: feel about it, you might need one. New episodes come out every other Wednesday. Giving us a rating and a review is a huge help and makes sure other people can find the show. Indecent is a production of Next Chapter Podcast. Go to ncpodcast.com to learn more. If you have something you want us to talk about, a guest you want to recommend, or you just want to out the married pastor you've been sleeping with, shoot us an email at indecentthepod at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at indecentkiki. Follow me at It's Kiki Anderson. My producers are Max Wolfson and Pete Musto, and our executive producer is Jeremiah Tittle. I'm Kiki Anderson, and this has been Indecent, where NSFW meets LMAO.
4: Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s, and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference.